show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Electricity here in Columbia. What has been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Williams Bryce Stadium is second to none. And the rave breaks out in Columbia. It is good. Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Touchdown, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert, Bill Molinax, and Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. Greetings and good morning and welcome aboard inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios and presented by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. JB and Phil here until one o'clock this afternoon. As you probably have heard, JC is somewhere in Disney World. Phil and I did receive a picture from him around eight o'clock this morning, so we know he is up and Adam. And out enjoying himself, uh, and uh, hopefully he returns home in in one piece. And with that ten thousand dollar bill that he's going to owe to somebody, maybe it's going to be Phil. Who knows? Uh, in this year's uh, bracket, but without JC today, what's that? No, I'm getting close. I, I need a couple of pieces to fall right into place, and then that money will be mine. No. Then that money <laughs> be yours. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm out. I can't win the ten thousand dollars. So. Um, Whoever does win it, uh, congratulations. We're, we're just kidding. JC is not giving away $10,000, no, no. just so everybody's aware. <laughs> uh, coming up, though, in, in his place today, we will be uh, chock full of good folks. David Cloninger set to join us here momentarily. Uh, Scott Wingo, South Carolina's assistant coach, uh, assistant baseball coach, will join us at about 1140 this morning. Carolina heads to Charlotte tonight to take on the 49ers at Knight Stadium. And um, and then after that, of course, you'll have a top 25 matchup this weekend at Founders Park between South Carolina and Missouri. So Scotty will kind of set us straight on what happened over in Athens this weekend and tee us up for the rest of the week. And then so will Drew Meyer. Drew, a former All-American and first-round draft pick. You've heard him on our program before. He'll be here at 1220 today. Believe it or not, there are some similarities to this year's start coming off of last year's team that did not make the postseason to that first team that Drew was a part of in 2000, which, by the way, this is the best start to the season since 2000, uh, Drew's freshman year. So certainly excited to get into all of that. Nick Saban spoke up yesterday on an arrest from a member of his football team. It certainly took like he took a, a quick slight at his basketball coach, Nate Oates. Uh, we're going to get into some of that. South Carolina – has got some things going on with football that we'll certainly talk about. Dakarion Joyner, a future uh, commitment potentially on the way. 
The World Baseball Classic has been awesome. Want to make sure we get that today as well. Rick Patino is headed to St. John's, and I don't know if anybody missed it, but the Miami uh, Indiana game last night in women's basketball was awesome, and Miami and the Cavender Twins were able to pull it off in uh, in advance. So there's a lot to get to today. We'll get DC in here, but before we do, this is really neat, and and we sh- we sure. Enjoy when people uh, share their personal stories with us. It just so happens this this guy and, and his wife are connected to our programming. Tristan's still already in the Nana Sports chat box this morning. Uh, he owns a couple of painters, and we've been telling you for a long time that they're the best painters in South Carolina. They'll go anywhere and paint anything for you. Uh, and I can't wait to use them in our house here pretty soon. But they are still in the hospital and he just sent me a photo to my phone. Uh, congratulations to Tristan and his bride. Their son, Archer Hayes Still, was born early this morning. Uh, Tristan has uh, already stated that Coach Shane Beamer has already been in contact for his first official <laughs> visit to come in the next you know, 15 or 16 years. Uh, and he will be a class of 2041 five-star quarterback. So, uh, first and foremost, congratulations. I did check in with Tristan. Everybody is healthy with the exception of little to no sleep. We all know that story very well. Um, seven pounds, five ounces, I think is what I saw in the photo. So congratulations to Tristan and his wife. Uh, and if you need something painted, give him a little time to get there. Obviously, bringing a newborn into the world will adjust things. But uh, that is a really neat story to lead off today. So congratulations. Yeah. Yep, congrats and happy birthday, Archer. There you go. That's right. <laughs> 32123. All right. Uh, it, it is National Countdown Day, by the way. 321, if anybody didn't know that. 321, 321. So uh, he was born on National Countdown Day. Uh, that's pretty neat stuff. All right. Uh, no more counting down to David Cloninger with the Post and Courier. He's one of the finest uh, writers out there covering the Gamecocks. He's got a busy day and a very busy week ahead because the ladies' team is set hey, to go in the Sweet 16. And uh, he, but he's made some time for us once again. What's up, brother? Not too much, guys. Y'all doing all right? Yes, sir. Sorry to keep yes. you hanging, man. When a newborn comes in the world, you know the story. You got it. No gotta problem at all, man. And uh, <laughs> he does share his birthday with quite a few luminaries. So happy birthday, young man. And uh, I'll take this personal, but if you first get to Carolina in 41 and you got to find yourself sitting behind, uh, young John Matthew Cloniger, who'll be in his third year starting then. <laughs> way it goes. Uh, That's right. Well, he'll, he'll have two Heisman's by then, and he's gonna make people forget who Steve Young was because he's got the lefty down. You know? Oh, oh. <laughs> nice man, Sh- Shane. I tell you, we knew that he was a quarterback room already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we knew Shane was a recruiter, but I didn't realize he was looking two decades. Out oh, the yeah, and it's going to be great, too. He's going to be the ace pitcher on the baseball team, too. I've already lined up Michael Roth to help coach him. So one lefty to another. I'm like, hey, buddy, I mean, just listen to what the man says, and you'll be all right. Yeah, We're going to have yeah, to get yeah. some NIL deals put together real quick for these kids. <laughs> just find my name on those, yeah, and right, I'll, right. I'll be sure to get them to him. Yeah, make check payable too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, DC, we're going to try to run the the gauntlet with you this morning because there's there's news from it from everywhere. We're going to hold baseball and football for just a minute and start with hoops. I uh, did get the news yesterday uh, that Chico Carter is elected to transfer as well. So, give us the scholarship count and tell us what you know on that. 
Uh, well, right now, I mean, obviously they, they knew they were going to lose a few guys. Chico was one of the guys that's a, a major surprise. Uh, Daniel Hankins, Sanford was a little bit of a surprise, uh, but not really uh, because he had not played that much at the end of the year. But Chico was not only because he had played very well this year and really improved, and you could see him being a starter next year, but he's got that knee problem that cost in the last you know three or four games this year. And I'm thinking – well, you know, if you don't get healthy, you're not going to be playing anywhere. And to which I thought they'll they'll let you do that here. But, you know, if, if he wants to transfer, he wants to transfer, and you wish him well. So the Gamecocks currently have nine scholarship players and walk-on Eli Sparkman, so ten. But included in that nine are G.G. Jackson, who we all expect to leave, but he has formally not done so yet, and uh, Michi Johnson who did announce yesterday that he will declare for the NBA, NBA draft, but keep his eligibility open. Perfectly fine. You know, Michi's a great kid, and, and I'm not speaking out of turn here, but I don't think that he's going to get on any NBA team's radar uh, just from this year. If he does, more power to him, but mostly it's a case of you go to these workouts, which is what it's set up to do. You get feedback from scouts, NBA personnel, GMs, other players. They tell you what you need to work on so you can come out to the draft next year. And that's like a two-month process. He'll have until mid-June to take his name out of the draft. So no big deal there. I do expect Nishi Johnson to be back. But with Gigi uh, expected not to return, the Gamecocks will be down to eight scholarship players, counting the two freshmen who will enroll and, again, walk on Eli Sparkman. So, um, you know, they've got a good solid base, a good starting lineup right there in place. But Lamont Paris has got to be hitting the transfer portal, which he already is. He's talked to numerous kids so far. One of them will make his announcement today. Uh, I'm not feeling great about it, but we'll see how it goes. So there could be one today, most likely not. But over the next couple of months, I expect to see a lot of names joining this team. Yeah, a lot of TBD still with men's basketball, David. Uh, to the To the women, though. Uh, what's TBD with them is are they going to win another national championship again? If you stayed up late last night, you found out that there will be a rematch between UCLA and South Carolina in the great state of South Carolina. But this one will be in Greenville, a 4-1 matchup at 2 o'clock on ESPN on Saturday. Last night was, a, I thought, a great night for women's basketball. That Indiana-Miami game was flat-out awesome. The officiating oh, was went very good. Yeah, and especially when, uh, you know, Miami, you know, had them, you know, pretty much the whole way. They go up by three late in the game, and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know who their three-point shooter is. It's the girl from Israel. She'd already hit a few that day. She's 45% from behind the arc. So I said, you know they're going to get the ball to her? Stick her, and as soon as you do, as soon as she gets the ball, just hug her, bear hug her. So she's not shooting, and you foul up three, and you win the game. Well, they didn't do that. <laughs> she shot the three and tied it, I thought, Okay, well, you know, play with fire. But then Miami ran, ran a great off-motion play. They got it to one of the Cavender twins who had made the previous shot. She kicked it off, and the girl drove in the lane, put it up, and in with, I think, 1.2 seconds to go. So uh, another big upset, another number one seed goes down. And, uh, you know, that's that's what women's basketball is striving to be. You get more parity in the sport, and you get more teams that you don't expect. So, it's uh, going to be interesting to see who keeps advancing. UConn's looking real good now with Azzy Fudd back healthy and playing. And, of course, South Carolina will rematch with UCLA. Of course, the Gamecocks will be favored. I think that the Gamecocks will win and keep winning, but this was going to be tough 
Fellas, uh, UCLA gave USC a run back in uh, CLA on November 29th. They've got two amazing guards, Charisma Osborne and Kiki Rice. They're both extremely difficult to match up with. But then again, the Gamecocks back then were playing a little wounded. Raven Johnson had not yet gotten back up to form. They had a couple of other players a little dinged up. Now they're at full health. So we'll see what happens 2 o'clock on Saturday. And uh, you know, I'm not in a big habit of keeping bracket watch. But I will say that they've got to win two more to get where they want to go, obviously. And down there on the other side of the bracket is Iowa. Uh, There's going to be some announcements here in the next couple of weeks about who the National Player of the Year is. And uh, don't know if Aaliyah Boston will be named. I do expect Caitlin Clark from Iowa to be named. And I can tell you that no matter who wins awards, South Carolina wants that matchup. Yeah. They want to play Iowa. The last time they wanted to play somebody this bad was LSU this year. Go look up the final score. <laughs> yeah, it worked out, right? You see how it happens. They're not going to talk about it, but they've got that. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, if this one happens. And this is exactly how they approached the LSU game. They weren't going to talk about it, but they knew it was coming. They said, all right, <laughs> okay, come on in. So we'll see how it goes, but tough game on Saturday and it would be an even tougher game on Monday night if they advance to uh, probably face Maryland. I forget who they're going to play, but Notre Dame. The other side yeah, of Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, that's interesting, right? Because it almost, I mean, I, I don't, I don't mean this disrespectfully at all towards Norfolk state and, and I don't mean it towards South Florida, but now it almost feels like go time um, mm-hmm. because Carolina is going to know, before they tip off on Saturday, whom they will play if they if they advance. And there's a great chance, as you just mentioned, that the next two games are rematches from the regular season. And then you run into Iowa, uh, David. So from here on out, every game that South Carolina play, I mean, not that the target wasn't on their back, it was, but the target is on their back with teams that are are capable. At the same time, they're only capable if South Carolina doesn't play the way that South Carolina can play. Exactly, guys. And you always look at future matchups. And the way I looked at it when the whole bracket first got revealed, I thought, man, that's a that's a tough draw to get UCLA and Maryland in your own regional before you even get to the Final Four. But then I thought, you know what? The committee is probably like, South Carolina basically gets to play four home games. we got to make it a little tougher on them. So that's probably why UCLA and Maryland landed in their bracket. Of course, they did beat them both this year, but UCLA was a tight game. Maryland ended up being a blowout on the road, uh, but Maryland was without its best player at the time, and she will be fully healthy for this potential game. And then you looked all around the other bracket, I thought, man, Stanford again, that's the, the one team that can match up USC with its height. Well, ain't got to worry about that no more. Stanford's gone. So you look at the rest of it and say, okay, you're going to have to beat somebody good to get where you want to go. They know that. They expect it. But they are the best team in the country. They know that. They know that, yes, you can get beat on any given night. But they also know that the chances of any given night hitting the Gamecocks over these next four is low. It's there, but it's low. This team plays like it's capable of. You have something else coming home to roost in a couple of weeks. David, how about the SEC, man? I mean, I I was one of the ones all year that said this league's down compared to not. I'm not necessarily saying down to the rest of college basketball. I'm saying down to what their normal standard is. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the thing. I mean, you look at it, and especially with Indiana going out, you think, 
this could very well be an all-SEC Final Four. Now, Tennessee would have to get past UConn to do that, and I don't know if they're going to. But LSU now really seems to have an open path toward getting to the uh, to the Final Four. So that, that could be three of them right there, you know. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, it's, it's all out there to be played. The SEC this year was great team on top in South Carolina, really good team uh, – in LSU right below them, and the gap between one and two was significant. And then Tennessee was probably your third best team, and they didn't have a great season, but they're rounding into form now. And the rest, I think we all got fooled by the records. I think they all beat up on each other, and it was really hard to separate from the pack. But you can obviously see that my choice for SEC Coach of the Year, no disrespect to Don Staley, who went undefeated, but you knew the team was going to be good. I picked uh, Coach Yo from Ole Miss for my SEC Coach of the Year, and you see why. That she can scheme you up, man, and she did it perfectly to Stanford the other day. So it could be a uh, that Ole Miss ends up making a run out of that bracket because if I'm Iowa and you know you have a superstar player, but you also know that your defense is atrocious, and you know this like, hey, they can take that player out, you start to worry. But there's quite a few games uh, left to play before all this can come to pass. Yeah, Ole Miss schemed up Carolina earlier uh, in the season. Carolina, though, repaid them a little bit down the road by beating them by 30. All right, D.C., um, so the highlight that I found yesterday from the football facility, we're going to get to baseball, everybody. Don't worry. Uh, we have Scott Wingo Drew Meyer coming up as well. So, um, But the highlight was, uh, was, was our man Phil. Uh, asking to carry on where he likes to stick it and all this stuff. And <laughs> I mean, that was funny. That was pretty funny stuff. But it looks yeah. like, once again, here we are. Uh, to carry on joiner might be called on to save the day in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, that was uh, one where we made sure to give Phil an appropriate <laughs> amount of ribbing after that one. I was like, dude, phrasing? I mean, phrasing. On, yeah, bro. right. Yeah, phrasing. And, you know, I think if somebody else is like, uh, Phil, you encourage you to carry on to have another kid? I mean, what's going on here, you know? But, yeah. All congrats to carry on is going to be as great of a dad as he is a young man. Uh, of course, you know, we got into some dad stories, and that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, I'm going to ask Shane today. Uh, but this appears to be much more than just, hey, can you come help out at running back so we can get through spring practice? It appears to be a lot more than that. Um, the carry ons, you know, said it very clearly. It's like, man, I'm still a wide receiver. Just I know what I'm doing over there. I can go back at any time and I'm going to help out at running back right now. And if they need me to do that in August, I'll be more than happy to do that. So I think you look at it as kind of a, a necessary thing. You need to go ahead and prep this so he'll know what you have to do if he has to do it in the fall. Because as we all know, guys, they're not going to get through the season with the scholarship running backs they have now. It's all going to be dependent on the transfer portal from May 1st to May 15th. They're going to have to go find a guy or two to come in and be able to play right away. This is going to be the backup plan, I would think. So, But obviously they know what he can do with the ball in his hands. It's just getting into a little more specific plays instead of, hey, it's just going to be the Fort D, uh, Fort Dorchester playbook. You're going to take the snap and make up your mind what you want to do. You don't chuck it down the field, chuck it down the field. If you won't take off running, you just go right ahead. But – We'll see. And, of course, to carry on, you ask him, hey, man, can you uh, go stop that toilet from overflowing? Yes, sir. And he'll go do it. I mean, that's the kind of kid he is. He loves it here, wants to do anything he can to help the team. So I think this is going to be much more than just uh, 
a passing fancy of saying like, yeah, well, they repped him, you know, just to, just to have some bodies out there. I think this is really going to turn into something. But of course, you know, there's a long way to finish uh, spring and then there's an even longer way to get through preseason until uh, we get to the season. I think, uh, you know, DC, just as much as things get overblown in a positive manner, you know, through the spring game or, you know, things of that nature, you, what limited we get to see on the field and, and gets exposed to the media these days, since we're not all invited to practice anymore. The, uh, you know, the, the same thing I think is kind of, are we overblowing a little bit the, you know, the running back issue just because Dakarian Joyner is being moved again and we know we're kind of, hurting a little bit or is this I mean cause for extreme concern or just uh, we we need to get a guy or two out of the portal or if not you know if we only get one we're going to be okay how what's what's the feeling around there is this a a, a hot button you know kind of warning alarm issue <laughs> <laughs> well I think we're all, we're all talking about it because you know generally guys you're hunting for actual news to come yeah. out of spring practice so and so's hurt which you hope you don't have to write or so and so switching positions new guy come in so this is the biggest newsy topic thus far but I think everybody knows that the running back room is not settled it's not going to be settled until the end of May, and it's really just going to be a wait and see to who they can get out of the portal. And make no mistake, they know they have to get somebody. They have to because they just cannot go into the season with this room. I know they can, you know, puff and bluster and be like, hey, we feel confident in the guys we have. Okay, but, you know, you're not going to be able to throw the ball 80 times a game. It's just not going to happen. So you need to be able to run, and right now you don't have the horses to be able to do that. So – um, and I wouldn't say there's a lot of concern right now. There'll be concern at May 15th when they say who they did and who they did not get out of the portal. Because after May 15th, if you don't get anybody, you're like, okay, this is what you have. There's not going to be any quick fixes. You have to prepare with what you got and go from there. And it's going to cause a lot of consternation about how do you work an SEC offense out of not really having a running game. So we'll see how that goes. But right now, I think it's just a case of like, you know what, it's going to be okay. They're just getting some backups in. You got to have somebody able to run your plays just so you can get the new offense in and say, here's what we're going to do when we get our main guy in here. And they just have to go get that guy. I'm sure that, you know, uh, Interest has already circulated. I know they have a list of guys that they think that they might be available, that they could get, what have you, but they just got to wait till May and then they can start trying to get them here. All right, real quick, final one on football. Early returns that you're hearing from the players on Dow Loggins. Oh, they love him. Uh, they say he's real energetic, but he's also real determined. Just like, come on, guys, do this this way that I'm telling you. And everything's looking good right now. Um, we did ask, has there been a major change, you know, from what you guys are used to? And they all said, no, not really. It's a lot of the same scheme, a lot of personnel. And I think that's what you expect to hear because he's not going to come in with a brand new playbook and say, bang, here's what we're doing. He's got to get in here and see who does what well, who, what personnel he has, and then you design your offense based on what you have. That's the smart way to do it. So there's not a lot to say about, all oh, this is going to be miles different from now, uh, but you do start to see some tendencies. And a lot of those guys have said, well, he wants to play fast. And because of who we have at present, we're throwing the ball downfield a lot. Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, that's, that's what you should be doing. So it's uh, a case of everybody likes him uh, so far, but there's not really a whole lot of, you know, 
a, a lot of installation going right now in terms of specific sets and packages and plays. It's more, here's the scheme that we're going to try to do. Let me see what personnel we got to run it. All right, a couple minutes. We got to get you out of here because uh, uh, you got a press conference to get to. Um, for the first time in 23 years, South Carolina is at least 20 and one to start the season. That year, they started the year 22 and 0, which was Drew Meyer's freshman campaign. He's coming up in hour number two. Um, I could ask you a lot of different questions. I'm not going to ask you anything. They're 20 and one, David. Describe what you've seen so far. I see teams playing real loose, real confident. They hit a lot of long balls, and their pitching staff, as it was thought to be, is sublime. Leading the SEC and ERA right now. There's a couple of pitfalls. There always are. Uh, their leadoff hitting situation is still not good. Their defense could be better. Uh, to me, just particularly with Will Sanders, you know he's got it. And I'm like, you ain't give him up, up much, kid, but what you do give up is getting hit hard. And mm-hmm. you know, that, that needs to be addressed. But you know, everything will be okay. And you keep mentioning that 2000 team. I remember that 2000 team nearly every game. And I've been so fortunate, JB, to be here for so long and to cover two national champions and two teams that were runner-ups and a couple more that should have won it. That team is still the best I ever saw. That team was just incredibly blessed. Every position, they had the pitching, they had everything. They went 50-6 and in the regular season. That's just not done. And we all saw what happened. Didn't even get to Omaha. So you look at it and say – I don't know if I could have expected this hot of a start, but you're glad to see it here. Now, are you uh, prepared to say, well, they're back? No, because it's going to to depend on how they get through the season. We're not going to know until the very end of the year. But they got some hay in the barn early with a 3-0 SEC sweep, and now uh, a series that looked to be pretty easy coming in, like, hmm, that Missouri team just swept Tennessee last week, which, snicker. Uh, I mean, it, it gets funnier and funnier whenever Tennessee loses in anything these days. I know. But they, uh, Missouri's coming in hot, too. So it'll be a case of like, all right, well, you're playing good ball right now. You've been playing good ball. Keep playing good ball. Just don't mess up anything right now. Don't do anything different than what you've been doing. At what point in time do we start talking about seeding? Oh, well, you know, we got to get at least halfway through the SEC season before that comes up, Jamie. And, of course, that'll be after the LSU series and another one is passed. So we'll know then. But just to say this, uh, after being around for the last decade as well, when things haven't been going as well, it's a lot more fun to go to ballpark these days. Yeah. I mean, me, a baseball fan, a baseball guy, there were games that I would always be there. I didn't care what. But it's over the past few years, I just don't want to go. I just don't want to go anymore, you know. Now I'm kicking myself because I know my first priority is the women's team, and it should be. But I'm also thinking, man, maybe I can get back Friday for the game one opener and then get back up to Greenville. Maybe I could do that. And you're just kind of trying to, to plan around how many games I can get to. 55-1 and one is what they're on pace for this year, uh, David. Yeah. So. <laughs> That wouldn't be terrible. <laughs> no, it'd be all right. It would yeah, I, get you, a decent seating. <laughs> it would it would it would prove Mark Kingston what he what he said before the year on our program and pretty much anywhere that anybody would listen. You're not going to go undefeated in in baseball, but you could go 55 and one. So we'll, we'll, just, we'll just have to see what happens. Um, all right, bud. We'll let you get out of here. I, I know. I wish we had more time with you to get into more stuff, but um, but we know you got to go. But We'll get you back here very, very soon. Thanks for all the hard work, as always. It's just brilliant stuff. 
No problem, guys. Talk to you from Beamer in about half an hour. Take care. Yep. There you go. Yes, sir. David Cloninger, mm-hmm. uh, the first question coming right up. That's uh, right. It, uh, it's, oh, well, no, at the um, – where will they be? They'll be in the meeting room. So they'll be in the long athletics – or the long football operations building. Thank you, uh, Dr. Kenneth Long and Sydney Long for that. All right, uh, it's 11.30. we got to hit a uh, quick timeout. And Scott Wingo coming up in 10 minutes. We'll be right back. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go game Pops. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Gamecock Nation, JB here, and I'm here to tell you about my new favorite painting company, A Couple of Painters. These guys are the best. Gamecock fans and excellent painters, and by far the best and easiest quote I've received. They're licensed in both South Carolina and Georgia. They offer 10% off for military, repeat customers, or if you heard it on the show, commercial and residential painting, deck, fence, and cabin staining, cabinet and furniture refinishing. They'll even remove popcorn ceilings and wallpaper and they offer pressure washing find them on facebook or call 803-522-6832 a couple of painters proud partners of inside the gamecocks the show are you sick and tired of your business computer guy yes he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests yeah same here i'm paying him good money i constantly have issues and i'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699? 1001 is Matt's contact number. Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843 699 1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is former All American shortstop Drew Meyer. And you're listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Go Gamecocks. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody, presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia, live from the Sinorama Columbia Studios. 
Express Sunrooms, how to get in touch with them, 803-446-4662 is how to get John and his team set up a no-obligation consultation about potentially turning your backyard into an outdoor retreat. And the first hour of the show is, as always, brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty Team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call, 864-414-5271. She'll be happy to talk to you about all your upstate residential real estate needs. So this is going to be a, a, a short segment and then uh, we'll, yeah. we'll get to Scotty. But um, so <clears throat> quickly here, the, the storyline coming out of Alabama has been what Nick Saban has said about, um, you know, you, you, there's no such thing as the wrong place at the wrong time. And everybody immediately is tying that into him taking a shot at Nate Oates which I don't doubt that that's probably what that is because why else would you even say something like that? Um, however, I, I'm not, d- does anybody actually know the details because the details of what has happened here with Alabama defensive back, Tony Mitchell are, are pretty, pretty alarming. And, and I know the headline that's out there is that he was clocked driving 141 miles per hour before his arrest, which was in, his home state of Florida, Holmes County, Florida, the, the sheriff's department is, is whom popped him. But that's, that's all. If you're just a headline reader, that's all you've got is saving takes shot at Nate Oates, which has become the, the storyline. Oh, this guy drove 141 miles per hour. Here are the rest of the details. Just in case you missed it, him and another passenger were also charged with possession of marijuana with intent to sell and or deliver. And you go, well, well, that couldn't be that bad. All right. Deputies recovered 226 grams of marijuana, just under eight ounces, and more than $7,000 of cash in the vehicle. They first stopped, saw him at 78 miles per hour, and he ran. He wasn't just driving, seeing how fast the car can go. He ran. And so he got up to 141 before they popped him. And when they did pop him, he obviously was high. They could tell that. He, uh, they recovered a loaded firearm, a Springfield nine millimeter from the vehicle. He did have Tony Mitchell did have a concealed weapons permit. The passenger did not, but they both denied possession of the marijuana and the firearm that was in the vehicle that they were driving together. Okay. So that's not mine. <laughs> don't know how it got here seven grand uh, well that, that's mine what about the weed well no that's not mine oh uh so while you know while i get the headline and then that's that's the storyline so what i don't care you know nick nick saban takes a shot at his basketball coach he's not wrong i actually agree with saban um, if, if you disagree with what Nate Oates said, you sure as hell probably agree with what Saban said then. But the big deal here to Nick Saban is I've got a kid who I just signed like two weeks ago or two months ago who just got popped going 140 miles an hour with eight ounces of weed, $7,000 of cash, and a loaded gun. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Uh, and he's a four-star corner out of the state of Florida. So he's got bigger fish to fry, but he – Took a little slide at Nate Oates in there, but it's just amazing, Phil. Sometimes uh, the details get left off, and I thought these details, you know, they might matter a little bit for the for the future of this young man. Yeah, it's a, it's you know, 
before. It's all alleged at this point, obviously, because you know we don't know anything. It's, it hasn't gone to trial or anything like that. But not looking good. It's not a real good look for uh, you know an incoming freshman to be in a situation like that in the wrong place at the wrong time. But you know, JB, I, like what I'm thinking is here's here you have two different coaches in the way they handle things. One who's who is the mountaintop, not been there, is the mountaintop for his profession. So he's like, oh, yeah, I can get rid of this guy because you know what? I've already got all these, uh, you know, championships and all that. And the other one is desperate for trying to make a championship in his and takes a completely different approach. Well, you know, wrong place, wrong time. I wonder how much Saban's success influences reaction in this because, you know, it's – They've had allegations and violations and things like that in the past before that, you know, were more than likely kind of swept under the rug, I think, especially when it comes to the NCAA before the NIL stuff came about. But, uh, you know, I just wonder how much of, you know, Nick's reaction is because, you know, he, hey, I've already been to the top of the mountain. So, yeah, well, he did. He doesn't care. He'll say what he wants to say and he'll kick anybody off his team. Nobody is higher or better than the team, literally. Um, (laughs) And, um, yeah, it's you know, 140 miles an hour driving high in a car with all that stuff. Yeah, you, you just got to understand who you are and what you're. You know, it, it can all end quickly, and it probably will. Knowing Nick Saban, he he's probably just not going to deal with it. I mean, he kicked a guy off the team last year for asking for more nil money. So we'll we'll see what comes yeah, of right. this. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, those, those details have kind of been left out of the headlines. All right. Let's hit the final break this hour, and when we return, Scott Wingo is going to pop in here on Inside the Gamecocks, this show. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Easy. He's got it. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Easy. He's got it. As soon as I get over my technical difficulties here. Let's see. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Easy. He's got a tiger by the tail, he has. He better hang on, too. People have spoken. Nana's Porch was voted the third best food truck or trailer by the Charlotte newspaper Public Poll. Also, their pimento cheese, mmm, took third in a contest exclusively for products made in the state of North Carolina. I will let Noah Hall tell you about the rest. Nana's Porch southern cuisine with an uptown twist we're well into the new year and the days of being back in the pool and boat are quickly approaching many of us don't have the time to hit the gym but charleston fitness equipment can change that for you outfit your home with a treadmill elliptical or my favorite a home rower that allows you to row with the pros all over the world they have free weights home gyms flooring and much more that makes keeping or getting in shape much more convenient located in mount pleasant visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com for more get in shape like our gamecocks charleston fitness equipment proud partners of inside the gamecocks top nation do you need a place to stay for the big game Many hotel booking engines keep all the commissions, but at Fan Plans, you support inside the Gamecocks, still earn your hotel loyalty points, and you receive an email with direct confirmation from the hotel. Whether you are visiting Columbia to cheer on Carolina or hitting the road to follow the team, get in the stands with Fan Plans. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. 
save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it, let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Uh, this is Coach O. Now back to the show. Go Tigers. In the soul. Welcome back, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Presented to you by Express Centers in Columbia. Apologize for uh, <laughs> the hiccups here that have been going on. On, on the, <laughs> the computer's got a mind of its own. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I, uh, for those of you, know, they can't see anything we do, but I, uh, I sent Phil a note in our back office here. I said, "Are you high?" Or yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm sitting on oh. half a pound back here and uh, just got out of my car. <laughs> Wait a second. Jeez. Um, trying to figure out, uh, trying to figure out what's going on here. So, uh, click it, freeze, uh, click it. Scotty's a couple of minutes behind, uh, so uh, they've got team meal and all that stuff coming up. So he'll pop in in just just a minute. Uh, Phil, you just interrupt whenever he gets in, and yeah, we man. will make sure we we get him in here. Um, I did see a question here from Andrew in the award winning Nana's sports chat box. It's making me hunt, uh, hungry. What do you think Sanders' uh, fastball is down now? Last year he was ninety five to ninety seven. This year he he's been say ninety three. Um, well, there's nothing wrong with him, you know. If that's the question that you're that you're asking, so <clears throat> he has. I know he's hit ninety four, and I uh, a couple of times this year. Not to you know, not splitting hairs with anything like that. Um. But he, they shut him down in the in the fall, and I think shut him down most of last summer as well. And he's just kind of been re, I don't know, rebuilding is not the word, but kind of um, recapturing and working to a point in which he wanted to get to. Uh, I, I, I think some of that too, though, is just that he just hasn't been as sharp. And when you're not as sharp, you're not going to try to just hump it in there as hard as you can throw it. Um, but I, overall, you know, look, Hey, I, I think at the end of the day, if if you got a guy who's quote unquote struggling, but he's given up, you know, two or three runs a game, that's, that's, that's pretty good for struggling. You know, if you, if you say that, um, <laughs> if you say that that's, that's just having an average outing, you know, Kip bought night had a lot of those games in his career. And by the way, we'll be on our program tomorrow, but I mean, it was very normal for Kip bought night to run out there and throw seven, eight innings and give up three runs on six, seven hits. And now because of the standard in which Will Sanders is kind of set for himself, uh, you know, if he gives up three or four runs, I'm not pointing this at you, Andrew. That's not what I'm saying. Um, you know, we kind of look at it as, well, he's not as dominant as as he needs to be or is he's capable of being, which is actually very true. But it's just amazing the, the standards in which some of these guys set for themselves and what they need to live up to. So I think he's going to be just fine. At some point in time, he's going to walk off the mound in the seventh or eighth inning of a game, and you're going to look up there, and it's going to be no runs on four hits and 11 strikeouts or something like that, and you're going to go, holy smokes. You there know, he is. Yeah, There he is. Um, <laughs> well, we got Wingo in here. Let's bring him in and see what he thinks about Sanders. Yeah, he probably knows a little bit more than we do. You can't see him because uh, Scotty is at the field, and he's not able to to sit in front of us today with a, with a camera on his face. Uh, but there we but go. But he, uh, oh, there you go. Yeah, look at that. That must have. Hey. That's that's probably a fly ball to right field picture. I don't think that ball left the yard. Hey, Scotty, what's up? Hey, that that ball right there hit the base of the fence, I believe. 
If well, my memory serves me correctly, I thought I got it, but I didn't get it. Well, what I want to know is, what were you thinking here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right there. Oh, yeah. So that one, that was a tough question. I believe that was asked to me. I just kind of I gave the old, uh, man, what do you even call that face? I don't know. The shoot. That's probably a clone yeah, of your right. question. <laughs> 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 yeah, so shoot, dang. Um, well, speaking of shoot, dang, Scotty, uh, we've pretty much been saying that for a while now. You, you, oh, shoot, they won again. Well, they won again. Well, oh my God, they're on everybody. Um, I, you know, I, I mentioned this to Cloninger earlier. You know, there's a lot of ways we could go with this. Um, you know, you've been out there for every second of everything in in uh, in route to this 21 start. And you're coming off of the sweep in Athens this weekend with a couple of 10 run rules, Scotty, which we didn't play by when you played. Um, how would you describe this 20 and one start in your mind? It, it's a, it's a good one. I mean, you know, I know we back in, back in 2010, we, I want to say we swept Georgia, but it's just a, uh, you know, there's no, there's no um, way around it. It's a, it's a great start. Um, but that, but for me, we just we just got cranked up with SEC play, so I can't really – I don't really get over myself there. But, I mean, you just got to call it what it is. It's a great start, but it is a start. So, yeah. um, this this group's hungry. You know, I, this, I don't think these guys are looking at it like, uh, we did it. It's just uh, – I think we got a bunch of hungry guys, and it's a – you know, I feel like it's a special little group, and uh, – you know, we got a big test this weekend. Shoot, Missouri's legit, so we're about to find yeah. out. Boy, you got that right. You know, when, Scotty, the teams that you played on, you you, you turned into one of the leaders uh, on on those teams. Um, but there was a lot of leadership in those teams in many different ways. How would you describe the leadership on this team? I'd say it's 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 really good leadership, especially with with the pitching staff. Um, you know, you got those. Uh, Noah Hall, Sanders, Mahoney, those guys really have uh, have kind of evolved into some some true leaders, you know, and uh, they worked hard this summer together. I know a bunch of those guys did, not just those three. A bunch of, bunch of guys on the pitching staff worked with Billy Anderson and, and, and a lot of the hitters too. But, yeah, it's uh, – it's a good group. I mean, we we're having we're having some fun in the dugout. Kind of reminds me back in the day when Ross over there just letting it eat in the dugout, and you know, you know, Georgia, Georgia, um, we've got a little, you know, there's a little bench mob, I guess is what they call it, and it's uh, it's pretty funny to listen to sometimes at third base. Um, <laughs> but they're having a good time, you know. So it's. It's uh, we're playing well right now, but man, those guys on the, on the bench, man. Sometimes I can't even, I can't even keep my, uh, I can't even not laugh on some of these, some of these things I'm hearing over there. I mean, they're well, just like, just letting it eat. I mean, they're not saying anything; they're just making noises I've never heard before. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Well, you know, speaking of noises you've never heard before, uh, y'all y'all did a nice job of quieting down the uh, the right field frat drunks in Athens this weekend. Probably didn't hear much out of those guys, did you? Nothing. Didn't hear a word out of them. I was shocked. 
<laughs> Har- remember Harley Leo when he gave oh, up? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We beat those guys, and Harley gave him the – did he give him the three or the, the deuce? Chunk in the deck. I forgot what he did. Well, he did it in Athens, but he also did that at Clemson when he gave the four after the sweep in 08. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, he did it the, at Clemson, too. That that Athens series, I that boy, they were they they had all kinds of stuff. We shouldn't give away Harley's personal life, but Sarah Francis and you remember all that. I mean, he was. I, I felt bad for him, man. Harley couldn't shake it, but um, yeah, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. So, um, Scotty, I got to ask you about Braswell, bud, because you know this kid was an integral part of the team as a freshman last year, and you know he. I don't want to say. I don't like saying things like he lost his job. You know, he just got beat probably is a better way to say it. Y'all are, y'all have got a pretty good baseball team clearly. And, um, you know, and, and I'm sure that that took a toll on him, Wingo. And, and he's, he wants to play. Everybody wants to play. My understanding of all this is lately he's really been getting it going. And then in, in very Ray Tanner fashion, you see coach King call his number this weekend. He pops the ball down the right field line. He comes in there, and I know you really appreciate this. He makes a hell of a play at third. Um, Describe what you saw out of him in game one this weekend to to help propel you all to that sweep. Oh, yeah. I mean, just out of his practices, you know, you can tell tell somebody is hungry to get in there and play. And a lot of times when you don't, you know, just human nature can take over. And I've been there before in minor leagues where – I got, I got benched for, um, I think I got hurt for like a week, came back, I was ready to play, all cleared, didn't play for like four games, and I'm like, okay, I'm getting, um, this is, this is the bench right here, so it, I know how it feels, you're, um, you're, you're not, you're not happy, you know, I don't know how you could be, but he's done a great job of just, I mean, the last two to three weeks of, just coming out and practicing hard, um, being the best Michael Braswell he can be, and and that stuff that that rewards you when you, when you kind of can carry yourself like that and and have an attitude like he's had. It was just really awesome for all that to to pay off. And uh, you know who um he's he's going. I think uh, you'll see him in there tonight. You know you know so he um he definitely has. Uh, showed everybody that that was that was special to be able to come off the bench like that in a big spot that was uh that was awesome to see maybe a little maybe a little news there from from Scotty Braswell potentially getting a start tonight how about the defense uh they, they look good this past week and I know they've had some oopsies here and there uh but overall how, how do y'all as a staff feel like this team is doing defensively and continuing to improve defensively yeah I think defensively we're um you know, we still want to get better. You know, obviously, infield defense is is uh, is what I'm. You know, I work with those guys every day, me and Monty, and um, I just uh, I always want us to be elite there, be great there. Um, and I thought we've done a nice job. Outfield defense has done a pretty good job, but obviously, you can you can be better. You know, and you know, as me as an infielder, I was I would try to be perfect, but I knew I wasn't going to be perfect, so. I just try to take it personal out there, not bring my bats. That's the number one thing. It's just if those guys can take that, take pride in their defense, and we do, we do a good job of it. Will McGillis is 
you know, obviously one of my favorites. He, um, he, he takes, he, he takes the game. He just goes about his business the right way. Same with Braylon Wimmer. And, uh, that's just, if you, if you got guys that are taking pride in it and really, or, or, you know, not taking a pitch off, you can, you can live with them. And they're, they're doing a heck of a job so far. Scotty, what are you, what are y'all as a staff? What are you telling your guys when you show up to the ballpark every day? I mean, obviously winning's contagious, man. Hitting's contagious, winning's contagious. You you get that feeling and you, and you don't want to let go of it. Um I, you could probably even describe this team as as a group that is is really has learned how to win uh, just based on the results this year and how all those have unfolded. So when you show up to the ballpark every day, I mean, you're twenty. They're twenty and one, but you play fifty six games, and then you've and then you've got the postseason. What do you talk to these guys about? How do you kind of manage and temper their their emotions and their expectations and their and their understanding of where you are in the season? Oh, I think he said he's lost us. Scotty, you're there still. You're still in the studio, there, Scotty. If you, yeah, yeah we, we kicked him. you out. Yeah, I've got him. We've got him here. I can't. Yeah. Did he? Um, did he hit the silent button or something? He did, and then it, it didn't, and now we've. Yeah, this this is the second or third time we've had this issue with him. Huh? See if he can <laughs> uh, pop back in there, and I'll get him to answer that final question before we get him out of here. But yeah, um, if he'll come back, I'll throw him right back as soon as we get him. We do have uh, Drew Meyer coming up in about 25 minutes as well on our program, but uh, we're going to certainly try to 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 cap off this conversation with Wingo if we can. I'm not sure what happened there. That was kind of strange. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is, you know, there is a there is you, you got to when you've struggled, you, learning to win is hard, especially like in the era we're in now, right, uh, Phil, where you've got, you know, you have these transfers, you're always going to have freshmen, and then, yeah. and now you're going to have transfers. So you you, you got to, every year, you're going to have a bunch of dudes putting on a uniform that didn't put it on last year. Yeah, you're going to have to, you know, deal with some camaraderie issues immediately with every new team this year. Up oh, here, yep, Scotty's back. Let's see. You got can you hear us? Here's- hey, I can hear yep. you now. I, I lost you for about yeah. 30 seconds. So I just, yeah, that's strange. Yeah, we got you back, back too. Definitely well, need I, that I, I know you got to go in a minute, so we'll spend the final couple of minutes here, Scotty. I, my, my question was just, you know, what are you telling these guys when they show up to the ballpark every day? They're off to a 21-1 start. I'm sure they're feeling great about themselves, but this league can humble you really, really quickly. So, so what are those conversations like? Well, I think you know how baseball is, Jamie. You, you played it. I, you know, it's – you know, we're not in we're not in professional baseball, but we're in college baseball where you play 50, 56 plus, you know, it's uh you've gotta you gotta bring it every day. So it, there's gotta be a, a routine and uh a humility about it that hey, you're coming to work every day because you know, you, you, you take that you take a day off, a game off, one, you can get your tail kicked any day. You know, anybody can beat you if you're not if you don't if you don't come ready to play. And it just you know, it's a it's a routine of, um, you know, a lot of guys have routines of, you know, even before they come out and hit, they're they're in the cages. It's just a uh, it's a way of you know it's a it's a way of life that you just hey you're just coming to play play the game again today. You know, it's the same routine. You know, you gotta some days you gotta look yourself in the mirror and bring it. You know, if you're not feeling feeling well, you gotta 
you know, you got to bring the energy if you don't have it that day. So it's, there's, there's some stuff to it, but you just gotta, you gotta bring it every single day. And if you don't, well, you can, uh, you can get your tail kicked. <laughs> yeah. Quickly. Uh, especially in the SEC. I mean, pretty, there's 10 teams out of this league that are ranked. That's 40% of the top 25. It's, it's remarkable. Scott, uh, final question. Uh, you were a freshman one time, you know exactly what it's like to learn how to hit at this level when you're a freshman. Ethan Petri is hitting like he's a super senior or maybe a big leaguer. Um, uh, his numbers are remarkable. Uh, des- describe him. Describe him as a hitter. You understand what it takes to hit at this level and in, and at the next level. Describe what makes him such a great hitter. And at some point in time, when he falls into a slump, how that will help him get out of it. Well, yeah, big. I call him, I call him Big Daddy E. Uh, yell, I yell him all the time. All right, Big Daddy. Because he's about six foot six, so that that's where we're gonna start, Jamie. He's about six six. Um, you know, he's got long levers. It's it's you know sometimes there's things that it's just easy for those guys that are really you know like smoke. You wonder how he has juice. Uh, the big old smoke's about what six foot four, six foot five. Yeah, yeah. and and both of them. And, you know, Smoke could obviously see – Ethan Petrie can see it. You know, he can see well. He has good takes. He he has a good – he does a good job with two strikes. He's done a lot of his damage, you know, with two strikes. Um, yep. But he, he's just – he's just – he's another guy who, you know, whether it's defense, hitting, he, he takes this game. He, he goes about it the right way too, everything he does, you know, whether it's third base, base running, right field, which he just – just started playing, you know, not, yeah. you know, very recently he didn't, he wasn't in outfield too much, but he's just, uh, he's a great kid. He, um, and he's off to a good start, you know, so Ethan Petri, man, he's, yeah, he's a donkey. Ain't no, there's no doubt about it. There ain't no doubt about it. As you mm-hmm. mentioned, he can hit all fields and in any count and he'll get humbled at some point. It's coming. It's the SEC. Um, but it sounds yeah. like he's got the makeup to get out of it. And, uh, We'll certainly That's look right. forward to that. That's right. Well, uh, you got Missouri coming this weekend, but first and foremost, you got to take the trip to Charlotte tonight and play in one of the more beautiful ballparks in the country in minor league baseball and uh, and take care of those 49ers before you come back home and, and into this top 25 matchup. It's going to be nice weather. I got a feeling it is going to be electric at Founders Park beginning on Friday night at 7 o'clock. Get your tickets now. Scott, have a safe trip. Uh, give our best to everybody in the building. Uh, I always appreciate you stepping aside and taking some time for us, my man. It, it means a lot. Hey, thank you for having me on, Phil. Good seeing you, big dog. Jamie, you too, Scott. You got it. There you go. <laughs> Scott, Scott Wingo, assistant baseball coach of the 20 and 1 and 11th ranked South Carolina Gamecocks. They will play tonight in charlotte all right uh gotta hit a uh, timeout phil uh we yeah. are a minute past due here that's all right you know what we've run a real tight ship around here jb i don't know if you noticed that though. <laughs> I, i've learned uh i've learned don't cross mr mullinax he yeah, will well. <laughs> cut your mic in a hurry that's right i have all the control all the control <laughs> when the computer works <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, when the computer works. Um, mm-hmm. Some Carolina football to get into. 
plenty of hoops left. Drew Meyer is ahead as well. Hour two coming up. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, all of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me. JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter, at Mayor Taylor, and find her online at mckellarenterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. You're tuned into Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The sideline picked off. Brad Edwards will get a convoy. Touchdown, South Carolina. Chicken's got some racial spurs, spurs, spurs. You ain't just a bird, bird, bird. You're top of the coop, star of the show. You're a rooster who was born a crow. Well, I bet you wonder when, when you win or lost a step or two. Welcome back, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, the second hour of the show coming at you. Brought to you by Express Sunrooms in Columbia. Give John Barber and his team a call, 803-446-4662. Shoot him an email, johnb at expresssunrooms.com. Talk about potentially closing a porch or a patio for you to enjoy the summer bug-free out there, which I know is a big thing down where you are, JB. You got a lot of bugs there, a lot of bugs anywhere, yeah. but you got the worst ones down there. Well, the I mean, we're excited <laughs> that the weather's warming up this week, but it yeah. also comes with what they call the no seams. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're certainly not not thrilled about that. Um, well, everything can, has a cost. <laughs> it does. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it did. Yeah, exactly. But you can get away from those if you've got an electric bike. And if you head to Electric Bikes of Charleston in Mount Pleasant, if you're ever in the area, or if you are already in the area, 28 miles an hour, those little no-seams aren't going to keep up with that. That's for sure. If you want to get out there and cruise on one, or you just ride it where you need to go, and then you got to get home, and bam, pedal assist mode. That'll take you there. Crack you a beer on the ride home or whatever you want to do. Gamecock owned and operated. Electricbikescharleston.com. Let me remind everybody of something here. If you're in Florence or North Augusta or Anderson or Irmo, Pauly's Island, Beaufort, 
anywhere. You don't have to be in the low country. People come from everywhere. There's a reason why we've partnered with them because they're, they're the best when it comes to electric bikes in this state. I promise you that it's the warranties. It's the service. Uh, and when you walk in there, you know, you ask a question, you get an answer and it's a direct answer. It's not somebody trying to sell you something. Michelle and her staff are just exceptional. Their warranties and as I mentioned, their service are after the sale are, are better than anybody. And that's why the whole state comes here. That's why they have just continued to grow and grow and grow and grow. Electric Bikes of Charleston here in the Low Country. Just go to the website, check them out. You'd be shocked. You might want to spend some of that tax money that you're going to get back here soon on something that'll not only keep you healthy, but keep you happy. Electric Bikes Charleston. Dot com. Yep, Craig. Uh, Craig, he must, he must, he must have the script. Phil, he must have the script for us here. Uh, Josiah Thompson is set to announce publicly yeah. on April the 11th, and um, you know we'll just continue to put it this way. It looks uh, really good for for South Carolina and um, his commitment to the Gamecocks. Uh, clearly, you're going to have to keep an eye on the rest of the country, but right now. Uh, the uh, the twenty four seven team rankings have Carolina at number six uh, with five commitments. So a lot can happen in the next three weeks, basically, and we'll kind of see where they are at that point in time. But um, but you know, put it this way, Phil, there's a lot of stuff that's on the front burner for Carolina in addition to Josiah Thompson, and there there is a there is a growing uh confidence there's a growing confidence that you could look up at the end of spring practice for pretty much all of college football and see South Carolina certainly with a top 10 2024 class but maybe even with a top 5 2024 class before by the way they even enter the summer which if anybody has done their math <laughs> in the last couple of Junes under Shane Beamer, uh, yeah, you don't so. get it. That's generally a down month for sports, not at Carolina, especially if the baseball team's battling to get back to Omaha. You got to keep your eyes on the phones because uh, you, you get the welcome home tweets, uh, you know, about as often as you eat dinner. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, it gets, you know, it's a little unnerving. The phone just blows up, you know, so much with Beamer doing those welcome homes. But then you look and you're just so happy. What what a happy distraction that is. It was nice even seeing him, you know, sneak into March Madness uh, earlier because there is an undeclared welcome home. So I wonder if it's, is it, who is it? Well, and I, 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 yeah, yeah. Again, I, you know, I think South Carolina feels really good about where they are. Uh, Craig chimes in and says, Jonathan Paylor has a USC crystal ball too. He does. Yep. Um, I think what's interesting, too, about where Carolina currently stands. So let me just read this to you, Phil, mm-hmm. and everybody. Uh, these are these are the uh, this is this is the 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 top ten. Georgia, I'm reading it in order. Georgia at one, ten commitments. LSU to eleven commitments. Notre Dame three, eight commitments. Florida State four nine commitments, Michigan five, seven commitments, South Carolina six, five commitments, Wake Forest at seven with nine commitments, Oregon at eight with five commitments, Tennessee at nine with five, 
and the team from the upstate at 10 with six commitments. What stands out to you about that? Oh, you, if, if really, if you're looking at it, it's the quality of player, you know, that's exactly it. It's a talent. It's, it's talent. Yeah. Cause you only got five and you're able to be ahead of, you know, Wake Forest with nine. I mean, not really surprised there. I'm sure Wake just jumped out to an early lead and it's going to fall off <laughs> just the way it is. But, you know, when you look at what is it, it's a, Four star, they're all four, or is there a three yeah, in there? They're now? all four. No, yeah, they're, they're and, all four star athletes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and to compare it, I mean, you've got Oregon and Tennessee and and Clemson behind you. Clemson's got six, um, but um, but Oregon and Tennessee, you know, they both have five, and you know, by again by the rankings, and as JC has pointed out numerous times, and he is dead on, generally between about six and seven and twenty. There's just no mm-hmm. difference. There just really yeah. isn't. You're, you're really talking about maybe a player or two sometimes. Um, but but what you're actually seeing here is one of the criticisms that is commonly um, that, that South Carol- teams like South Carolina often get is, well, yeah, they were in the top 15 in recruiting, but they signed 27 players, and this team signed 20, and they're ranked eighth You know because they had a higher quality of player. Carolina is going to sign a bunch of players this year, but right now what you're seeing is that those two numbers are also compatible. And um, that's pretty encouraging. You're not even into April yet. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, and it's like, uh, I think it was Coach Loggins that really said it. It was like, well, when you sign one five-star, next thing you know, the phone starts ringing. <laughs> and you get yeah. access to players that you, you may not necessarily have, would have even given you the time of day after something, you know, before that. Well, in every team, I mean, with the exception of Dante Reno, which I think once the season starts, you're, you're going to, when they're able to reevaluate him, this is just the information that's been given to me. I'm not a evaluator of talent for 24 seven. He he's, he's a four star, but he's not ranked in the top two fifty. He will be, yeah. uh, and he, and he'll be ranked not only in the top two fifty, but he'll have a significant bump. Um, so when that happens, barring that any of these guys that are currently committed to Carolina, Cam Pringle, Wendell Gregory, Michael Smith, Mazio Bennett, barring any major drop-off, which I don't think anybody's anticipating right now. They've all actually been moving up. You're talking about right now, basically, you're, all five of your commitments at Carolina, they're all top 250 players by all the ranking services. I don't think I've ever seen that. No. Hmm. That's pretty telling. And all these guys that they're talking to are all in the top 250 as well. I mean, it's really, you know, it's, 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 if you, it's, it's hard to not be excited if you're a fan because you, you get captured into these rankings and this, that, and the other. And, you know, it, people like us try, always try to caution you because you, you don't know how it's always going to work out. But, mm-hmm. I mean, talent is also talent. And, you know, it's been proven by Georgia and Alabama and others over the years. You just keep signing a bunch of talent, you're going to keep winning games. And if you're a fan of places like South Carolina, it's hard not to look at that and feel that excitement as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and to think, you know, I mean, all of this is based on, you know, future projections and, and junior year film. Uh, these guys, if they go out there and shine on the, you know, on the field as seniors, then, I mean, their stock's only going to improve. I don't think, you know, it's I doubt you lose any ground. No, about no, playing a won't. high school season. Yeah, it's like you generally don't see them fall too far. And when you do see guys fall in the ranks, it's generally because somebody else has gone ahead of them not necessarily that they've regressed right yeah yeah there's there's 
yeah i mean there's just so much that goes into it but you you add i mean dude think about this for a second these are the ones that are very public and i know there's a bunch of other stuff going on behind the scenes but paler kelvin hunter josiah thompson blank for uh blake franks i mean if you added all those guys today i i don't know if it, i mean who I, I guess you would still you, you probably won't be number one. I'm not sure how you wouldn't be. I don't. I don't. I don't know how they wouldn't be at least number three. Golly, if not number two. Um, yeah, you could probably. I would think take Notre Dame. I don't know, depending on it. Michigan would be because the thing is, you're so close. It's the you know the composite ranking of the actual you know the numbers themselves or what kind of drives what position you're in so you'd have to continue to get you know like 89 plus guys mm -hmm. on the ranking to actually have significant move forward but I mean, it is not unreasonable to suggest by the end of the month that we would be top five I, I, I think right now Carolina, uh, by the average player rating, rating, it's like the fourth highest in the country, basically at 94. Yeah. Um, you know, Bama's is almost 97, uh, but they've only signed four guys. And look, Florida's only uh, – or not signed, but received commitments from four, uh, 24 guys. Uh, Flor same with Florida. But Florida's also, also you know, five-star and three-four stars, and they, they've signed – or, uh, excuse me, received elite – they've received commitments from elite talent. Um, but just not high in numbers. But again, you know, it, it's just all going to change. I mean, it's just all going to change. And we, we mentioned it with Shane Beamer. It will happen with these other programs as well. It has seemingly happened more with Carolina the last couple of years than most schools in the country the month of June, these camp months where it's just bam, 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 bam. But the difference will be that this year they're probably going to be walking into all of that with, you know, maybe eight or nine commitments of elite talent, which is yeah. uh, it's just a place they haven't been before. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you're not sitting on, you know, four or three stars, a couple local kids, you know, with stars in their eyes. It's like, hey, you're actually yeah. putting together a solid group here ahead of all that FaceTime you're going to get with the top talent in the nation because that's who's coming down. I mean, you know, they're, they're drawing in, you know, big-time prospects here. Uh, just to come visit, even unofficially, or go to these camps. So, mm -hmm. you know, just keep building. I mean, you know, it's a it, you can't stop recruiting. I think, uh, and obviously that it, the importance of that is not lost on this coaching staff. Obviously, I, the um, in the Nanosports chat box, uh, seventy six said you can see Reno's talent clear as day. He definitely gets a solid bump, possibly top one hundred if the season goes well. Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't think that uh, to Clint's point as well. I don't think that the level of competition in which he plays is something that is is going to blow the doors off of you. However, um, man, if you haven't watched his film and just how he can flick it, uh, he 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 slings it. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I last year a little bit of a little nugget that I was passed along from um, one of my sources in the building was that he both he and the uh the young man who has committed to Alabama gosh baseball player Dylan Lonergan Lonergan um, yeah mm -hmm. both both of them and, and please nobody misunderstand anything I'm saying here but um both of them on their officials Lonergan could play he's a great baseball player he's a great football player there's a reason Alabama didn't just take quarterbacks got to be a good player to play quarterback at Alabama 
But one of the things that really stood out to that staff, the information that was passed along to me, was the way that Dante Reno, not only can he play, but the way that he walked in and absorbed the room. He, uh, the staff, again, this is uh, this is secondhand information I'm regurgitating, so it would be thirdhand information to all of you. But they were really excited how the how he this young man walked in, and it was almost like that. That's my quarterback. You know what I mean? That feeling. Mm-hmm. That's my quarterback. That guy right there. You see him? That's my quarterback. They didn't necessarily get that warm feeling from the the other young man who's headed to Alabama, Dylan Lonergan. That's not a shot at him. It doesn't mean that he's not going to go to Alabama and be an All-American or a first-round draft pick or anything like that. It's just simply, again, the information that I had, the the fit of being here at South Carolina, finding the guys that fit at South Carolina, this young man walked in and it was like, wow, he is a Gamecock. He fits in with what we're trying to do around here. These guys have a lot of respect for him. He likes how they – they interact with his incoming class with the, with those who are already there in uniform, even classes behind him. It was just a, that's my quarterback uh, type of vibe. So, you know, Phil, you're always looking for that. And um, if it all pans out for, for Dante Reno, it, it, the future could be pretty bright for that kid. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, considering that he can redshirt, I mean, you know, he's, he's not going to be expected to start day one, it looks like. So, I mean, it's just, you know, you just, and you're continuing to build talent. Uh, and then, you know, let's not forget that, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever grace the field at uh, Carolina was a, a, just a coach's kid. <laughs> you know, somebody under the radar wasn't yeah. too terribly highly recruited, but, you know, yeah. uh, he managed to eke out a, pretty decent uh, career <laughs> yeah we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna start connor this week and uh coach what happened to connor out there well he just didn't play worth the crap i'd put steven back in there and uh all worked out i mean you know, again it, 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 we'll have a lot of this we're going we're gonna have the same conversation over and over and over leading into the season a lot of people forget that the start to connor shaw's career at south carolina was not a good one uh no. from the moment he was put in the game at auburn in 2010 it was a brutal start and then he started the first game of the 2011 season, and he was just not any better against East Carolina up in Charlotte. But when you know Stevens' final, when Stevens' tenure came to an end, he took the bull by the horns, and the rest is history. So you just don't ever know, and, and that's why I always try to be, you know, let's wait and see with uh, how it's going to work out. All right, got to go to break um, because uh, you know one of our favorite shortstops ever, ever, best one I ever saw, no doubt about it. Drew Meyer is teed up and ready to go, and he'll join us next on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. 
Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Foss of Caldwell, Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone sent you. This is Fresh and All-American, Nicky Memorial of the Carolina Gamecocks, and you are listening to the show with JC and Phil. Welcome back, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia, 803-446-4662 is how to get in touch with them. And we're joined now on the McKellar Enterprises <laughs> guest line. Oh, I just saw that. That's awesome. By <laughs> none other than Drew Meyer. <laughs> a humble Drew Meyer. <laughs> yeah, a very humble Drew Meyer with the distinction of record holder for most errors and caught stealing. <laughs> yeah, well. Not not very fleet of foot and sure of glove there, Drew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I I kind of was just uh, surfing around the internet last week and, and just always looking around things and started to see these weird things. And I said, no way. But I actually, even since then, I was looking. I'm like, where did I find that errors thing? It wasn't a record book, but uh, I, I actually have to correct that. I'm not the career holder. If you, if you can bet who the career holder for most errors is, it's Dave Hollins. Is it really? Yeah, he had he had fifty eight from eighty five to eighty seven. I had fifty six at shortstop, but I, I've got the record for shortstop. He's got it for third. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> not first round draft pick, Drew Meyer, All American, yeah, right. Drew Meyer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, that's right. Three, three. Uh, gosh, what'd you hit your your junior year, Drew? Three sixty. Uh, yeah, three fifty nine. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, none of that matters. 
Well, that's what I, you know, I coach these, these uh, 11 year old kids and, and that's what I'm trying to teach them is do not be afraid to fail in this game. You are going to, it is part of the game. And, and if you get thrown out, who cares, learn something from it and get ready for it next time. So, you know, they always ask me some things here and there and hits and some other things come up and, and I said, well, I also got thrown out a lot and I also threw a lot of balls in the stands. So it, it's part of it. I'm trying to pull. How many errors did you make your junior year? Do you remember? Not as many, probably like 11 or so. Yeah. I know I had like, God, like 24 or something my freshman year, maybe 21 my junior year. But, you know, I tell these kids, it's not like I'm playing – we didn't play on the surfaces that they get to these days. Uh, I mean, they're playing on carpet out there and, and uh, probably a little bit easier to field than, than sometimes over at the Sarge. Uh, yeah. Love the, love the field and the stadium and all that, but sometimes you always didn't get the best hops and there's a lift <laughs> if you got to a ball in the hole and all that fun stuff. So, well, I was about to say, man, I mean, some of those errors that you made were, were probably because you got to a ball that nobody else was actually going to get to. You were just trying to make a play. Just Yeah. Tom Price trying to help out the pitchers, you know, save that ERA. Tom Price? Yeah, save that, save those pitchers ERAs. Give the fielder an error. It doesn't matter to him. Very magnanimous of you, Drew. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so, Drew, uh, first of all, it's good to see you, bud. Um, and there, there you know – I, I've got a lot of ground I want to cover with you today. I, I really do. I wish we had hours to do this because you're one of the neatest guys to talk baseball with. But there are there's a similarity actually um, from a record standpoint with, with this team and the, your freshman year team that opened up the season 22 and 0. And I know you have another stat you're going to probably throw out in just a second. I won't say it. But um, but the 99 team, although. Uh, it was actually a pretty good year, and that team gets into the postseason this go-around that finished 15-15. and 15. You were not on that squad. They did not make the postseason. And then y'all clearly turned it around in 2000 as the number one seed. This team didn't make the postseason last year, but here they are after 21 games. They are 20-1, and one, and they've kind of re rebuilt themselves in a multitude of ways. Um, what What goes into that? Drew, I mean, I, I get it. Better players, okay, and things like that. I'm talking about the, the mental side of this, like teaching guys how to win. What, what, yeah. what is what is that like? Yeah, I mean, for, for our team and what it seems similar to this year's team is obviously he's brought in a lot of talent from the outside. And, and that year with uh, – in 2000, we, we brought in some JUCOs. You know, we – we had the transfer portal back then. It just was a little bit different. I mean, guys would go the JUCO route and then get to the to the bigger schools. Um, but the guys we picked up that year, I'll probably leave off some names, but the big ones that I remember that mattered so much early on was was a Brandon Pack and a Brennan Dees. Uh, you know, I mean, those guys, we had Chris Plummer at third and John McHenry at second, so they also filled some other roles. But But those two guys specifically were just such a huge part of our – our team, uh, not just because of their physical talent, but Brennan Dees was definitely more of your mo vocal leader. And Brandon Pack was the guy running the show behind the plate. He was really quiet, but went about his business. And um, I think we just joined a group that, that was a pretty good team. It just didn't get the the break to get in the regionals the year before. And when you've got guys like Kit Balknight and, you know, Peter Bauer and Scott Barber on a pitching staff, it, those guys need to be pitching in the postseason. You know I mean? That, that, that was – they, they, it's not playing in the postseason was really unacceptable. Uh, it just is as far as how good they, they really were. So, uh, I think when we came in, we just, you know, we, we just had a can't lose mentality and, and we really didn't, uh, for a while there. 
And it, and when you win that many games in a row, um, the, the, the winning feeling in the locker room is something special and practices become a lot easier. And I wouldn't necessarily call them lighter, but there's just not as much stress. Not everybody's peeking over their shoulder, the coach getting all tense. It's all right, let's keep getting our work and keep doing what we're doing. So, um, Obviously, they you know they go on the road and sweep at Georgia. Uh, really, it all started with the come from behind victory and a swing by Mac, Michael Braswell that changed the entire weekend, in my opinion, on how things could have gone. Um, and we kind of had a similar weekend to open up SEC play in 2000. We swept Auburn on the road, who at the time I think was ranked number two or three. So, but but I I don't put much stock into any rankings until about maybe three series worth of into-conference play for, for all these teams, just because there's such a wide variety. I mean, when you get a, a pin or these northern teams to come down south, and literally this is the first time they're stepping foot on green grass, I, I, I just don't – I think it's hard to figure out, you know, what where teams stack up at the moment. So, but 21, you'll take it all day. Yeah, Drew, the, the Braswell um, at bat this weekend was um, – was huge for him in so many ways right and and it really personally took me back to coach tanner's era he he had really a knack for for uh kind of pulling the right strings at the right time it didn't always work out I, we always remember the good ones and in, in, in sometimes you forget the bad ones coach tanner would be the first one to tell you that he he pulled a lot of strings that just didn't work but um, the ones that did always seemed to be in really, really big moments. And I felt like that was a big moment for not only Michael Braswell, but, but for Coach Kingston as well. Um, how, would, how would you describe that? Or how would you take those comments? Yeah, I, I mean, the coach has got to know his players. And I think, you know, last time we were on, we were talking about, you know, getting ahead early on these teams and letting your bench guys get out there and play and keeping the locker room happy. And I think – Braswell is a perfect example of that. Um, Kevin Madden maybe is a different example, right? He, to my knowledge, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's no longer with the program at all, right? I know he's going to the right. transfer portal. But, so Michael Braswell could have, could also take that route of going, you know what, I'm out of here. I'm not playing, see ya. But he hasn't. And I think Coach Kingston must have seen something in practice going, man, this guy is continuing to work hard. It's going to pay off. He found his moment and he capitalized. So that's 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 where it's good to try to keep the locker room happy, keep the bench guys happy, let them have fun, and it takes a full team effort. You know, if you have nine guys in a lineup, not everybody's going to be hitting that day, but you might want them in there for defensive reasons or whatever, whatever have you. But at the end of the day, you always like having a bat off the bench that that you that you think can can help out the team. Yeah, Wingo mentioned earlier. I guess Braswell's in the lineup tonight. I'm not sure if uh, oh. Coach King, Coach Kingston's mentioned that publicly or not. But uh, if not, he can thank Scotty for spilling the beans there. So I'm going to try to tie these in here, Drew. Um, one of the struggles for South Carolina. I don't know if you know this number or not, um, but going into the Georgia series, let me, let me back up. In the Georgia series, leadoff guys, Horning led off in game one, and then McGillis got it. Um, in, in game two and three. And uh, so they were combined four for 12, and McGillis hit those two dingers on Sunday um, mm -hmm. and only two strikeouts. I think Horning had two Ks in, in game one. But so, you know, four for 12, a couple of dingers, that's, that's pretty good. Going into the Georgia series, leadoff hitters this year, not including late-game substitutions or pinch runners, pinch hitters, whatever, were a combined seven of 69, Drew. Seven of 69. Mm -hmm. That's a 101 batting average, man. Um, 
and and so that was a real struggle. Maybe they've turned a corner this weekend. D- describe being a leadoff hitter. I, I don't know if they have a true leadoff guy on this team. Um, Michael Braswell seems to have some tools that would lead you to believe that he potentially, at some point in time in his career, could inherit that role. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So I'm, you see what I'm doing here. I'm trying to tie all this in, but mm-hmm. but describe what a, a leadoff hitter like what it takes to be a good one, and then in the SEC because you know you're going to see the best of the best every day. Yeah, my philosophy on leadoff may be a little bit different than than maybe the traditional style. Uh, I, I'm not there to see pitches and show the team what this pitcher's got. I, I, I mean, I hope you watch my bats and maybe learn something, but my job is to get on base, and that starts with the first pitch of the game. And um, I think any time a leadoff hitter, especially to start a game, uh, can get the action going when the teams I played on and the team that looks like this year that's just full of offensive star power I don't really need to do much except for get on base and get that guy in the stretch position. As soon as he's in the stretch, he just, you know, he lost a couple miles an hour on his velocity. He's trying to be quick to the plate. Uh, he's going to leave some balls up. He needs to throw fastballs because if he buries a curveball, I'm stealing, all that kind of stuff. So it kind of sets the table on that way. Some say you need to try to see as many pitches so guys can watch from the dugout and see what he's got. I think those days are long. I didn't believe that way when I pitched. I mean, our scouting reports on guys were – were pretty probably primitive compared to what they get today with all the video and stats they get. But usually it was Coach Toma going, ah, he got a fast, fastball slider change. That's what he's got. 88, 90, he's a slap. He's a slapstick. So that was our scouting report. And really, that's all we needed to know. What, what does he throw? A fastball slider? Okay, well, you know, go hit it, you know. Uh, so, you know, as far as seeing what this guy's got that day, I mean, you can watch some warm-ups when he's doing it. But really, it's just the end of the day, you got to get on base. And so that's how I looked at, at my goal, my job as leadoff hitter. Because um, when you've got guys like Steve Thomas and Jerome Peters and keep going down that lineup, they all yeah. want fastballs from a pitcher throwing in the slide step position. So that's a great point. It's very similar to now. I mean, this team's at 56 home runs, Drew. <laughs> well, I, that's a funny stat. You know, our record and they're out homering their opponents 56 to 10. Yeah. <laughs> and and unfortunately, that number it was is a bad taste in my mouth. That was our final record uh, oh, in 2000 yeah. after dropping to Lafayette. So anytime I hear 56 and 10, I go that that season sucked. You know, <laughs> that, that was that was a brutal 10th loss. Uh, but regardless, it's it's uh, you know I've talked to a lot of guys about this on on where's the power coming from because it's not just South Carolina. Yes, they do. I think still lead the country in home runs or very near the top, but. There's, I don't know who keeps putting it out here and there, but it, it's basically an average number of home runs across college baseball per game. And last year may have been like 1.6 something, and this year it's like 2.09. I'm like, man, that's like a 30-plus percent increase year to year. They are always tinkering with the balls and the bats and how what's going to go far. And, and I think maybe a little bit has to do with that. Uh, I think a lot has to do with the quality of players we have. And I think we also got some good uh, hitter-friendly weather here early in the year. We haven't had too many cold, blistering days where you really don't even feel like swinging a metal bat. They've had some good 75-degree weather. I've been up there quite a few times. The wind's been helpful. They had great wind in Georgia to get some balls out, and that place is great to hit at. So I think there's, there's various factors. There's really no one reason on why their power or college baseball power numbers are up. But um you know it's not like it's not just the power though you know they're hitting for average they're stealing bases they're 28 of 30 stealing bases um you know i wouldn't say let's get thrown out more 
but that tells me we may be able to swipe a few more bags here and there if, if we're not getting thrown out at all. Um, but, you know, the big thing for, I think, up and down the line of where they've done a good job at, I mean, leave out Caleb Denny on who has substantial at-bats, but the lowest on-base percentage is, Tam, you know, Tamage LaCroix at 451, and everybody else is like a 478, 507, 495, 475, 474, 488. So call it a coin flip for everybody up and down the line to get on base. It's just constant pressure. And like I said, when you leave constant pressure in these pitchers, um, our hitters are not afraid to, to, to take a big swing and, and try to – I think we've got five grand slams this year. It's a perfect example. They're not afraid to, to seize the moment and, and put up a crooked number. Yeah, I think that's something that's kind of hiding in that home run stat this year is that, you know, they're not all just single shot, you know, <laughs> empty base yeah. home runs. Yeah, yeah I mean, we're, they're knocking guys in with these things too. So it's, it's yeah. really making a big difference. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the number of RBIs, I mean, I just looking at Ethan Petrie's numbers as a freshman is crazy. He's hitting 458 with nine homers and 31 stolen bases. I'm like, I thought I had, I had 11 and, uh, you know, I haven't seen him in quite a bit, but I'm going to probably talk some smack to him. But I think old Justin Smokes, a little freshman record may be being chased this that. year. I so, told him that. He didn't uh, like that. Yeah, we keep yeah, poking the bear. <laughs> I bet he doesn't. But, uh, but, but, you know, he's got a long way to go. He's got to get through SEC play and, and start facing the grind of, of what an SEC schedule too. But, but everything tells you that his approach at the plate uh, is putting him in himself in a position to, to continue to hit. So, What's that like, hitting against the grind of the, of the SEC? You're going to go through some struggles. Uh, you know, it's, it's – uh, I think – Quite honestly, I think they probably face better arms than what we faced in the SEC uh, when I came through. Yes, obviously, we had great teams and talent. Back then, the ACC was really kind of more known for the pitching conference. Mm -hmm. um, we were more on the offensive side. I think now the SEC is like, we'll just take all the players. We'll take all the best pitchers. We'll take all the best hitters. Uh, yes, there's some good ACC schools out there. But when you look at the, the top 10 uh, rankings, I mean, I uh, – I think last week before they, before they opened up play, but they had six of the top seven. I mean, it's something stupid. Okay, and that exactly. will all get shuffled around throughout the year. People will come in and out of that top ten. Um, but I, I just think you, you've you got to attack fastballs early. I mean, that's the old adage, what's the best way to hit a curveball? Don't hit the fastball. You know, yeah. jump on fastballs early in counts when you, when you get a chance. Look for pitches up. And then when you get behind the count, just try to battle at that point. Hope the guy makes a mistake. Yeah, and as Monty says, well, don't get cheated. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Monty. I mean, he's big on that. He's like, you know, we'll, look, we're going to get hit. We're going to walk. Uh, we're going to, I don't know if they, I don't think they could have predicted hitting 60 home runs by the 21st game of the season, but he knew they would hit a few. But at the end of the day, it was like, just don't get cheated. You know, if you're going to swing, swing. Um, yeah, that's, I teach these little boys, you know, drive the baseball i mean i have some different uh rounds of rbp one is an o2 count right let's, let's just battle and put something in play but the next round all right you battle through that next at bat now you're 2-0 like i want to see a 2-0 hack out of you because you know especially at this age you got some smaller kids and they're more of a singles type which i don't mind you know we're going to steal bases we stole 124 in 16 games last year so we are going to steal your base the bases and turn them into doubles and triples but i also recognize that as as these kids get older and play better competition, these hits are just going to be harder to come by. You're going to have to learn to drive the baseball to, to, to find hits and, and create damage. So uh, I, I am totally with Monty Lee of do not get cheated, especially when you're ahead in the count. 
All right, so Drew, before the season, uh, you and I had a little conversation about well, about a lot of stuff with this team, but but one of the things that I think that coll- collectively, I say we, not not just you and me, but a lot of people out there in the baseball world focusing on this program, we wanted to see what Braylon Wimmer would really look like at short. Um, so what have you seen from Braylon Wimmer? He's held it down pretty good. You know, he's got five errors or so. Like, that's that's fine. I mean, you're going to make errors. That's just the way it works. Um, but I think he's held it down good. I, I don't. We haven't had too many close games, to be quite honest, if you know what I mean. I mean, we had the Clemson series was tight. Obviously, some games in first game in Georgia was tight, but there hadn't been – it's been going pretty well, if you know what I mean. Things have just been nice and hunky-dory, and let's just get our job done. I think as 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 every team will during this course of a season start to struggle a little bit, it's, it's how's he responding to that. But he's shown me no signs uh, at this point that that's really going to be a problem. He's, he's calm, cool, collected, you know – Season vet, he's been on that field plenty of times. He's been in these stadiums. So I think he's got a huge advantage just being comfortable. He's very confident who he is and he should be. Um, he's a heck of an athlete. So I, I, I think he's holding it down just as he should. And and he, he just needs to keep rolling, keep doing what he's doing. You're 5'9". You're he's six, almost 6'5", six Drew. What, what, are the, what are the challenges of, of playing shorts? I mean, Ripken did it. But like, what are the challenges of playing shortstop from a guy who's five nine, five, or let's say under six foot, versus a guy who's long and linky like a Braylon Wimmer? Yeah, it's hard to say because I've never been six six four or whatever he is. Well, but but it, but in general, I would just think like the footwork yes. would have to match up with his arm. You know, I used yeah. I could throw from different angles, but my my favorite throw was kind of really kind of throwing from inside here and two seaming it over there. And I, that was a quick shuffle footwork for me. Um, I think with with his longer legs and arm, I, he's just – I would think he has to just just making sure he's syncing up and has good rhythm when he's making throws uh, or attacking the ball. But, um, you know, certainly he's got the link to, to get up the middle. He's made play after play going left and right. Um, got the arm. So – I, I think the bigger thing was just is if he's taller is just making sure he's staying down through balls that, that hug the ground. And then ultimately once he catches it, getting that footwork, footwork, right. Moving towards first base. All right, Drew final, final quick couple here. And we'll get you out of here. Um, everybody, you know, in the starting rotation is, is really, really good. Um, you could, you can make the argument that, and it's a valid one that we haven't seen the domination from a guy like Will Sanders just yet. It's coming. Uh, we just haven't quite seen it there. But at the end of the day, these guys have just been – they've set the tone in every game. That's They're, they're a unbelievably large reason why Carolina's 20-1. But a guy who I think his his role just seems to change every weekend um, is, is James Hicks. And, you know, we all know that he can start. We've seen that. And then you you go back and pair pair him with the you know what he did out of the bullpen for what was it four innings or five innings against Clemson, he comes in this weekend and shut he shuts a couple of games down when they needed him on uh, in game one and then he pitched again Sunday. Apparently you know they wanted to throw him back to back days to see how he would respond, which that tells me that they're you know wait, well maybe this guy's going to be our closer if we need him to be. Um, right. I mentioned in the same breath the other day him and Scott Barber not necessarily. I, I don't. You'd have to tell me whether they were really alike with their stuff, but just in how 
multi-dimensional they are. You can use them in a variety of roles if you're using them the right way. So, um, and, and, and how you've watched him pitch, the stuff that he's got, the way that he carries himself on the mound. He's kind of an old school in today's age. He just, you know, gets guys out and walks off the mound. Right. What, how would you describe him? And, 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 and what have you seen out of James Hicks and, and how important he's going to be throughout the rest of the year? Yeah, I think Scott Barber is a good reference. I mean, obviously there's stuff in throwing mechanics that are a little bit different, but really their bulldog mentality is, is the point. Like they, what do you need me to do? And that's what Scott Barber was, was for us. And, and, Honestly, with the pitching staff that they've got, they've got some luxuries of going, hey, we don't have to find one guy to be our long reliever and or our closer. He can if it, that's what calls for it. But, you know, if you think about last year's team and the pitching staff of where it was at and depleted with the injuries, they kind of needed pitchers to do everything they could. Uh, and sometimes that doesn't set up everybody for success. Um, I can see him working in any role throughout this year. And I, I think it's a good problem, not problem, but it's a good thing to have because guys are going to go through some scuffles. I mean, Will Sanders number so far, I think he's in my mind, he's kind of gone through one of those scuffles. Well, good. Get, get that one out of the way while we're 20 and one. Cause we got some, we got some heat coming in uh, with some good sec teams. So guys are going to have some ups and downs. And when you got Hicks that can kind of come in behind and clean up your mess, if you get kicked off, you know, or, or pulled off in the third or fourth, cause Hey, it's still a, it's still a five, five game. We need to, we, we need to stay in it. Let's see if we can win this one on Friday night and blow him for the weekend. You can, or you wait back and say, all right, let's use him for, for whatever roles closing or even literally just finishing off a game. Sometimes even if you're up six, two and it's not a safe situation, I always like getting three quick outs to end the night, just to remind yep. that other team that they don't have a chance. You, you in the ninth <laughs> inning, when you let teams in it and they're six, four and, Tying runs at the plate, everybody's like, come on, this can't happen. And it just gives them that little bit of momentum that might make a difference heading into the next day. But when you can just go one, two, three, you know, 11 pitches on him, yep. you know, he's perfectly fine to throw the next day. So uh, I think that they'll they'll continue to, to use them as they see fit. Uh, and they've been doing a good job of that. He's been moving around quite a bit. Craig does have a quick question for you. Have you ever seen anybody as herky-jerky as, as Jerzenbeck? He, he is a different bird out there, man. I like it. I'm an energy guy. You know, I don't, I don't like pitch clocks on, I don't like any clocks on a baseball field. However, I love the concept mm -hmm. of playing fast. Like let's get the ball and go. Um, all these small little, I don't even know what the rules are. So I'm just like, well, just be ready then all the time. Just be ready to do what you're mm -hmm. supposed to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you look out there and a pitcher's kind of geeking out out there, like, dude, what is this guy's problem? Like I know. He, he is crazy. Uh, <laughs> If that's what I was going to ask is, does that have any impact on you when you're in the box watching this guy oh. and his quirkiness? <laughs> it absolutely does. Go golfing with a guy that just starts gangster hacking. He has no idea what he's doing. There's no setup. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a tough day. But, you know, and, and some pitchers go about it the other way. You know, the nice, quiet, calm, like, no, no, don't worry about me. I'm just here to three fastballs, you know, and sneak yeah. up on you. He's like, no, 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 come on. And we're going to do this quick. And um, uh, yeah, it's a little, I wouldn't even say erratic. It's just spastic would be a better word, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's something. All right. Uh, evaluate Stuart Lake's job in the booth. So a good job. The guy yeah, knows, he so, he knows so much and, and, so you know, he's got such a good memory. My memory is terrible. I can't, I typically can't remember many games or who did what. I always have to go look up things. He doesn't, he just, he is a, 
he's a pro's pro. He's a baseball guy to, to you know at heart, and you could put him in any role in, involving baseball, and and he's gonna be impressive and do a good job. And uh, he's good. He's got you know he's got a great. He's got a, well, you know, he's got a face for radio, right? Like he's got, yeah. he's got the, but he's got the good, nice little country, slow talk. I'm a fast talker and probably, you know, a little <laughs> erratic myself, but he slows things down and uh, it makes it enjoyable to broadcast. I always like listening to really to that and TV. I, I can't get enough of, because I just learned so much listening to, to Kip and, and Dave Weinstein on the baseball side. And then and obviously Tommy and Derek and, and Lake, when he gets in there, um, you're always finding it and just learning little nuggets throughout those guys. Yeah, Lake was he comes on on Fridays with us, and last week Drew he was on without his hat on, and and there was it just it just kept going in the uh, our chat box here. Man, this cat looks like Louis C.K. without hat on. That's funny. That's good. So, I think he I think he liked it. He, we told him that he appreciated it, but now nah, he's he is man. He is he's awesome to talk to. But all right, yeah. Team USA wins tonight, right? They beat Japan. Yeah, we, we got to do it. I watched some of that Mexico-Japan game last night, doing oh, some work nuts. in the office. And, uh, man, I'm loving what the World Baseball Classic's doing this year. You know, obviously yeah. there was some early talk about injuries and stuff like that. And I think, I think obviously, the memo has got into these announcers and John Smoltz of saying, hey, injuries happen every day. Sometimes it's on the backfield in Sarasota. Sometimes it's on national TV with a million kajillion people watching, and it becomes news. So, uh, I love it for these players. I played for Team USA when I was when I was uh, 18 and under team and played in Caracas, Venezuela and Kaohsiung, Taiwan. And I think, you know, I went and played Cape Cod ball my, my two summers in college. And that's probably one of my, if you like, call it regrets, as I was invited to play on the college team that year. And I chose to go to the Cape Cod route and try to try to get more games in rather than and do the press tour, so to speak, of what it was back then. There wasn't very much competition. They were going to just do some exhibition games here and there. But I love, I love what they're doing. It's fun to watch these players, like Mike Trout and Otani. Like we just don't get to see those guys play much. And I've got YouTube TV. I got to figure this out in like ten days. But I can't get the damn Braves game now. They no. took the MLB channel from me. No. I, I told Chris that you can literally throw YouTube away. It's I won't miss one thing from it. Uh, you can always get your local news here and there, but I. I got to figure that out. Somebody said you can get like a VPN to kind of hack into getting the Valley's thing. But I, I got to talk to somebody who knows more about that stuff because I've got a 10 year old that loves baseball. And so do I. And, and um, there's some there's some good things going on in baseball. As much as the rule changes and people are are kind of bickering on what's what. I think the popularity is up. Uh, they're doing a good job and it's they got a good product on the field. A lot of good young players. I agree with you. I've got YouTube TV as well. And then and the, the Valley thing is just a, whatever. Uh, that's ridiculous i don't know i understand how as a kid i could watch every game on tbs with zero problem and now i can't even even the games on mlb channel that they show for the braves they black them out i'm like what the heck is that i live five hours from atlanta what what is that doing to grow the game when you won't let kids in charleston south carolina or probably plenty of other places watch their home team it's absolutely it's it's a it's a a crime and they I, i don't know why they can't fix that I totally agree with you. That's that's Major League Baseball's biggest problem is these blackouts with all these regional networks and this, that, and the other. You know, everybody bitches and moans and wants to grow the game and talk about how this, that, and the other is – that's fine. Other sports want to do what they want to do. Baseball is doing it to themselves, allowing this to happen, and leadership needs to step in and figure it out. Everyone else has figured right. it out. Right. So it's, literally it out. Like a, it's literally like a click of the button, like – don't hit the blackout button. Just let it play. And, and there's your problem. I know there's some money that needs to be maybe figured out, but are so we, what? Ta- are we, ki- are we kidding? 
Look yeah. at these damn contracts these guys are getting. If I was a player back here, give a million towards letting all these other people watch. Because you know why? They're going to make that tenfold back uh, by, because of the exposure. Totally agree. We'll spend two hours on that later on uh, in July. I'll get you booked okay. for that show, Drew. Um, right. Hey, man, great stuff. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully see you here soon. I still need to get out and see that, see the field and all that stuff. But um, but I really appreciate it. And uh, next time we talk, hopefully Carolina will be 40-2. and two. Yeah, that'd be good. I appreciate it. Thanks, JB. Thanks, Phil. Uh, Thanks, Drew Meyer, as he says, record holder for mo- most errors. But he's re- he's lying about that. He's uh, he's got the second most ever. At Just for his position. Yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was absolutely unbelievable. All right, let's squeeze in the final break and a couple of nuggets to toss to you before we get out of here, including some things from Shane Beamer on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The new year and the days of being back in the pool and boat are quickly approaching. Many of us don't have the time to hit the gym, but Charleston Fitness Equipment can change that for you. Outfit your home with a treadmill, elliptical, or my favorite, a home rower that allows you to row with the pros all over the world. They have home gyms, flooring, and much more that makes keeping or getting in shape much more convenient. Located in Mount Pleasant, visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com for more. Get in shape like our Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Daddy, I want you to take me to Disney World. Calm down, calm down. JC is here. As y'all know, folks, the family and I have visited Disney World many times, but it can be overwhelming, especially if it's your first time going to the most magical place on earth. I highly recommend wherethisroadleads.com and my friend Cherie, a certified Disney vacation planner. That's right. The mouse has given her permission to book your family vacation hassle-free. You don't know where to go, don't know where to stay, don't know where to eat, don't know what to do. It can be overwhelming. So get on wherethisroadleads.com and schedule your free consultation right now. She can help you out. The prices are very reasonable. You don't pay any extra fees. Uh, In fact, she's much more reasonable maybe than booking it straight through Disney. So for your next Disney vacation or, you know, more likely your first, so you don't panic, go to wherethisroadleads.com and talk to Cherie, certified Disney vacation planner, a partner of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Go Cox! Welcome back, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. 803-446-4662 is how to get in touch with John and his team to talk to them about how they can get some more sunshine into your life this summer. Coming off of that Disney commercial, well, Disney vacation planning commercial, it does look like JC is having an excellent time down there in Orlando. I hope they continue to do so when they get home safely. Yep. 
Well, he'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, let me clean up this chat box over here. Uh, yeah. I bet you the SEC, best SEC pitcher Drew ever faced, I can ask him and report back to you, was probably an inner squad guy named Kip Baltnight. Um, but uh, but I'll, I'll certainly ask him. Trevor Bauer, yes, he was at UCLA. Um, uh, could certainly ask about Houston Street. Um, David Price was after Drew at Vanderbilt. And um, no, Clint, uh, Drew did play Texas in the finals in 2002. Matter of fact, had that game been a three game, had that been a three game series back then, Carolina was going to be positioned pretty good to win the next couple of games because Texas was basically out of pitching. Yeah. And Carol uh, going into game two, if they had a game two, and Carolina had to start Aaron Rawl, a true freshman, uh, in, in that in that one game take all, which I still think was ridiculous. It was ever a thing in baseball, but. Um, it is. It is what it is. Uh, so, uh, Shane uh, has uh, mentioned a couple of things here, and we're going to talk about a lot of the, a lot of Carolina football tomorrow. We do have Kip Bot night tomorrow as well, but uh, a lot of Gamecock football tomorrow, uh, based on how they're planning to use to carry on Joiner, um, and um, and and what that could could possibly look like. Uh, and I think it's really interesting because they've got they've got a guy named uh, Dow Loggins who spent substantial time, as we all know, in the NFL and probably knows a little bit what it's like to have a guy who is good with the ball in his hands but might not be an every down back, at least has a, has a clue of what to do. Um, so so we're going to get into a bunch of that stuff tomorrow. Uh, Shane Beamer even mentioned Taysom Hill as an example and how they use him. I'm, I don't think he was comparing Joyner to Taysom Hill. He just meant in, in, in how they use the guy. So we're going to see what we Great can run. Uh, going to be a tight end. Yeah, good. Yeah, let's start yeah. <laughs> start yeah. the rumor mill there. Here we go. Yep. <laughs> Steve Fink on speed dial. Uh, what'd you yeah. say? I didn't say anything, man. I just, um, so uh, we, we'll see what we can ruffle up to, to get that conversation in. Uh, tomorrow he also mentioned how you know he's been asked uh, often about um about pete limbo and and how programs do things differently you know they hire a special teams quote coordinator but he's also coaching another group and generally when that happens you got a an analyst coaching special teams and Shane said no 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 and i didn't want to do it it's not fair i hired a special teams coordinator period of the end and that's one of the reasons they've been so good um, so there's just really a lot of stuff to unpack from his comments today that we're certainly going to get into uh, tomorrow. Want to also remind everybody of a couple of things here. If you uh, head to travelingcountryclub.com, travelingcountryclub.com, they they tee up spring football, our coverage of it here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is the coolest club in the Carolinas. Over 40 golf courses that you can pay for between uh, pay between twenty and thirty dollars to play. Uh, by virtue of uh, a very low monthly payment. I am a member of this. Um, there are some really neat courses to play. They've got an awesome tournament coming up in July. It will sell out. Could be a purse of up to twelve grand. the plunder on polys. Uh, we're going to have Michael and those guys on to talk about this down the road a little bit. But it, it's going to sell out. It, it, this is the second year. Last year it sold out in lightning quick, so it's going to be even faster this year. But we also want to encourage everybody we can to, to join TravelingCountryClub.com. You will love this. You can play golf anywhere in the state and in, up in North Carolina and stuff too. Santee, Myrtle Beach, Columbia, Greenville, Charleston, Charlotte, Waynesville, North Carolina. Uh, it is really, really neat. TravelingCountryClub.com. Also, this Friday in the Lowcountry, if you've not gotten your tickets, you better get them now. I'll be there. 
anybody that wants to hang out with my wife and I, you're welcome to come. At Patrick Davis, he's at the Riviera downtown on King Street. Um, the VIP tickets, you know, they are a hundred. Those are a hundred dollars. The general admission is not. There's, I think those are thirty or thirty-five dollars. Uh, but the VIP does include a hangout with Patrick up on the rooftop and a drink and some appetizers and all that type of stuff. So head to patrickdavismusic.com if you don't have plans Friday night. We'll be watching Missouri and South Carolina on our phones. I assure you Patrick will too. Uh, he doesn't take an inning off. Um, so we'll be multitasking but enjoying ourselves uh, downtown Charleston on uh, on Friday night, uh, Brandon said, I believe Matt Campbell pitched in that championship game as a freshman as well. Soup did. Uh, I was actually just talking to him about this the other day. Um, one of my good buddies. We'll have him back on again here soon as well. What's that game at Salty Mike's? Mm-hmm. So. Is he talking about the national championship game? Yeah, Bobby? Must be, I think. Let's see. Hold yeah. on. Yeah, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Salty Mike's in downtown. I got carried out of there one night. I was young. Then. It happens. It happens. It did happen. It did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. Thoughts and prayers with my wife as she travels down to IOP uh, tonight for <laughs> to enjoy an evening away from the fam. So, All uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she might That's get drug out of the windjammer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And some of my greatest memories of my life were working there in the summer, playing baseball, working at the Jammer. Met so many people. It is the neatest place. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, just the best people. No, Bill, not Salty Nut. Salty Mike's is in Charleston. Salty Nut, five points. But they're both salty. There's no doubt. No doubt That's right. That. All right. Um, again, we've got uh, a ton uh, to get to tomorrow, really can't wait to hear Kip and get into some Carolina football. And I'll see if we can't snag Owen early. Yeah, McGranahan. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. JC, if you're watching, enjoy yourself. And thanks to Drew Meyer, Scott Wingo, and David Cloninger all for joining us today. If you'd be so kind, if you've got a friend that's a Gamecock fan and they don't watch our show, please tell them about it. We'd appreciate that. Yeah. And give uh, us a like on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you are. Just smash that little thumbs up. We would really appreciate that. Subscribe yeah. if you haven't already. Doesn't cost you a thing. Yeah. It doesn't cost you a penny. Thanks to Phil. We'll see you all tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecock.